0: Episode 117 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast includes the awful Bengals loss of Monday Night Football, Week 5 of Ohio High School football scores, which local teams considering a name change, the conclusion of the 2019 Red Season, and two basketball teams in Dayton? It's more likely than you think. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter and Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and the podcast at Sinday Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. As you can hear through the new opening tune, And also the way I didn't say The Gem on the Queen's Crown, this podcast did undergo a name change. I decided it was probably better for me to do so. So thank you to everyone that voted. Now let's run a poll. How many times do you think I'll say The Gem on the Queen's Crown to close out this podcast? I'm betting at least three times before it actually sticks. But this is episode 117, and there is a bunch of stuff to get through today. We'll start off with Week 5 Scores of Ohio High School Football. Since we're getting into the nitty-gritty of this season, pretty soon we'll go over the computer points from JoeIdle.com. It's the unofficial computer points, but he does a wonderful job, Joe Idol does, running the site and telling you which teams are playoff-bound and which teams aren't. So next week will probably be the start of that. And conference play has started for most of the Sinday area schools. So we'll cover those as we go. We'll start off with the Cross County Conference. If you wonder why I start off with CCC, it's because I'm from West Alexandria, and when I do scores, Twin Valley South is always the first, because that's where I went to school before I moved. So we'll start off with Twin Valley South falling. And homecoming week to Mississinima Valley, 55-20. National Trail, 4-1 on the year. They defeat Tri-County North, 48-20, in the Battle of U.S. Route 40. Arcanum edges off Miami East, 17-14. Fort Loramie rolls over Bradford, 56-0. Tri-Village shuts out Bethel, 12-0. And Covington keeps rolling with a 48-6 win over Insonia. Now to the Southwestern Buckeye League. I normally start off with the Preble County schools, because, again, I'm from Preble County, so that's, you know, my home county. So there you go. That's why I do things. Thursday night TV game. Franklin took Bellbrook to OT and won 21-14 over the Golden Eagles. Brookville 28, Carlisle 10. Milton Union 30, Middletown Madison 21. Valley View stays undefeated with a 42-20 to win over Monroe. Eaton picks up their first win of 2019 by shutting out Oakwood, 34-0. Northridge, 54, Dixie, 21, and Waynesville, 28, Shawnee 21. To the Miami Valley League we go, with Troy handing Greenville a 35-7 loss. Piqua edges out Vandalia Butler, 14-7. Xenia shut out winners over Sydney 20-0. Fairborn 32, Stebbins, 14, and Tippecanoe, 57, West Carrollton. 34 now to the greater western ohio conference springboro shuts out miamisburg the vikings have now lost four in a row 45 nothing panthers they stay undefeated on the year springfield 34 fairmont seven wayne picks up their first win for coach mukes and the warriors 35 21 over the lebanon warriors third straight win for centerville as the elks roll over the beaver creek beavers 47 14 and Tropwood madison takes care of Northmont 20-14. to To the Central Buckeye Conference, Jonathan Alder, 42, North Union, 8. Bell Fountain edges out Indian Lake, 35-34. Ketton Ridge, 44, Northwestern, 7. Springfield Shawnee, 41, Urbana, 0. First win for Tecumseh on tap with a 21-17 decision over Graham. And London, 48, Benjamin Logan, 6. Now up north to the Northwest Central Conference, it's slaman Catholic, takes care of Ridgemont 42-20, Lima Perry, they win over Harden Northern 24-13, Riverside 42, Marion Elgin 28, and Waynesfield Goshen 35, Upper Scioto Valley 14. In the Western Buckeye Conference, it's Salina 26, Lima Bath 21. In the Battle of Bulldogs and the battle for their first win of 2019, Defiance comes on top of Elida, 28-20. Ketten edges out Wapakoneta, 13-10. First loss for the Redskins. St. Mary's rolls to a 28-9 win over Lima Shawnee. And overtime. Ottawa Glandorf takes care of Van Wert 35-28. In the Ohio Heritage Conference, Northeastern over Cedarville, 26-20. McCandexburg, big winners over Greenan, who have dropped their second straight, have the Knights... 52 nothing. Fairbanks 63, Springfield Catholic Central 6, Triad 18, Southeastern 14, West Jefferson 55, Madison Plains 14, and West Liberty Salem 51, Greenview 6. To the Dayton City League, there is one true conference game mixed in. The three non-conference finals are Alter 37, Ponix Tech 0, believe that was a Saturday night game, Troy Christian 44, Meadowdale, 6. Clyde, 48, Belmont, 17, and Dunbar takes care of Thurgood Marshall, 30-14. to That also was a Thursday night game. Back up north to the Midwest Athletic Conference we go as Minster takes care of Parkway, 39-7. It's Versailles, 25, Delpho St. John's, 14, New Bremen, 21, St. Henry 7, Marion Local, just edges out Anna, 17-14, and Coldwater, 43, Fort Recovery, 21. Back down to the Cincinnati-Dayton area we go. Greater Catholic League, St. Charles, 45. Carroll, 14. That's a non-conference game. Mentioned the altar score again, 37 nothing over Ponix Tech. Chaminade-Julien, 28. Bishop-Watterson, 7. Also a non-conference game. Another battle of Cincinnati and Columbus, or Cincinnati-Dayton, or Columbus-Dayton, rather, depending on where you spot Fenwick. It's east of Middletown. St. Francis of Sales 42, Fenwick 22, Roger Bacon 36, McNicholas 13. That is a non-conference game because, remember, Roger Bacon doesn't play football in the GCL anymore. McNicholas does, though. We move up to Hamilton-Baden taking care of Purcell Marion, former GCL football battle. Now Purcell Marion is in another league. 41-8, Rams win. In the Battle of Ohio and Kentucky, Elder comes out on top, 49-7 over the Ryle Raiders. St. X edges out Muller 27-24. And LaSalle takes care of St. Joseph's out of Buffalo, New York, 48-0. To the Cincinnati Hills League, all four of these games were conference battles as Wyoming keeps rolling. It's a impressive team the Cowboys have. They're looking to defend their state title in Division IV football. They take care of Marymont 21-0. Indian Hill edges out Madeira, 31-24. Reading, 33. Finneytown, 32. And Deer Park 28, Taylor 21. To the Greater Miami Conference we go. Coach Bolden had a long streak of undefeated games against fellow GMC opponents. Well, that ended. To Jason Krause and the Fairfield Indians, as Fairfield wins 33-7. Oh, by the way, if you want to know the last loss Bolden suffered in GMC play, you have to go back to, what was it, 2007? And it was Jason Krause of the Middletown Middies. Yes, so Jason Krause has defeated Bolden in the uh, bread of the long streak of games won. That's impressive. That's an impressive streak and that's impressive that Jason Krause was the coach to end that streak. Hamilton 31, Oak Hills 21. Coleraine rolls over Middletown 41-14. It was 14-7 Cardinals at the half. Princeton 28, Lakota East 24, and Mason 21, Sycamore 14. We move on to the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, second week of conference play in the ECC. My broadcast was Milford at Loveland, homecoming week for the Tigers. And it was Milford 42, Loveland 13. And both Loveland plays had the quarterback throwing into the end zone, which, you know, that makes sense. but. The first one was the backup goalie, Aquilino, over to Cloud for the touchdown. And then Cloud threw a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Milford, very good game. Penalties did hurt the Eagles a bit. But Milford takes the second bout of two in the regular season against the Tigers. West Claremont, 24, Walnut Hills, 14. By the way, if you want to listen back to that broadcast, I think I did a very nice job. Go to ESPmediaSN.com, and then go to, you can go live stream, tune in, Apple Podcast, Anchor, it's all there, and you can listen to that game. West Claremont defeats Walnut Hills 24-14, first win for the Wolves as they're rolling into Loveland later this week. Turpin edges out Kings 27-24, Kings had a lead at the half, I think it was 14-7, I could be wrong on that. Anderson, 48, with throw, 14. And now to the Southern Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference. Most of these are non-conference games, and some of these are cross-division games, as the Sabac has the American and the National Division. And we'll go over those right now, with Clinton Massey picking up an impressive win over Bishop Hartley, 24-14. The Falcons, one of the contenders for... Playoffs in Division 4 with Wyoming and Valley View. Minford takes care of the Astros of East Clinton, 28-21, in another non-conference tilt. New Richmond big over Norwood, 56-14. Here's a cross-division battle. These do not count in conference play. Goshen, 37, Blanchester, 0. Goshen's in the American division, Blanchester in the National. Another non-conference game, as Cisne Hills Christian Academy defeats Bethel Tate, 28-14. Dayton Christian takes care of Williamsburg, 34-7. Claremont Northeastern blasts off to a 40-14 win over Hillsboro. Another cross-division game as Fayetteville-Perry, sometimes known as just Fayetteville. I believe Perry's the township and Fayetteville's the city. The National Rockets take care of Bactavia, 42-21. Wilmington takes care of Washington Courthouse, 31-15. And Miami Trace defeats Western Brown, 35-21. Over to the Southwest Ohio Conference, and there is an uneven amount of schools. There is one non-conference game. We'll cover that now. Northwest defeats Aiken, 21-12, to and a victory for the SWOC. Now for the conference games, Little Miami. They pounce on the Talawanda Braid, 41-19, and that is Larry Cox's first loss with Talawanda. Harrison, 28, Edgewood, 10, Ross, 48, Mount Healthy. 30. Now we go to the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference. A couple non-conference games here. Riverview East Academy was off this week. Taft defeats Beechwood, Kentucky 7-3. I believe that was a Saturday night affair. We mentioned the Northwest score over Aiken 21-12 for Northwest. Hughes 22, Schroeder 14. Western Hills picks up their first win in 2019 over Woodward 30-14. And another non-Friday affair, Hillcrest 46, Gamble Montessori 0. In the Miami Valley Conference, which is located mostly in Hamilton County, some Butler County schools there. Some non-conference games, we'll start with the conference games first. The Cincinnati College Prep defeats Lachlan 24-7. North College Hill and the Trojans defeat St. Bernard, Elmwood Place 48-22. We mentioned... Roger Bacon and Purcell Marion. They don't play GCL football anymore. They're in the MVC. Mentioned Roger Bacon defeated Nick Nicholas 36-14. And it was Purcell Marion falling short of Baden 41-8. Another non-conference tilt. Summit Country Day defeats Doan 38-6. Mention CHCA twenty-eight-fourteen over Bethel Tate. Norwood Felder New Richmond 5614. New Miami and the Vikings keep rolling. 5-0 start for the Vikes. They defeat Clark Montessori 39-6. Mention Roger Bacon's win over McNicholas and Cincinnati Country Day 24. Miami Valley Christian 14. And now to the Indiana scores. Again, this is Wayne County area and Connersville. We'll start off with the Trojans, or the Spartans, excuse me, of Connersville. They fall to Jennings County 28-14. Richmond, shut out by McCutcheon. 35-0, Knightstown big over Lincoln, 46-6, Shenandoah wins big over Hagerstown, 42-6, and the Battle of Union. Remember, Union City is not in Union County. That would make too much sense. But Union City defeats Union County, 34-28. In fact, the City of Liberty is in Union County, and Union City is... Actually, I say Randolph County. It's Randolph County and Dart County, because it splits over the state line. The more you know, Try titans fall for the first time this year. They fall to Winchester 42-22. And Centerville and the Bulldogs edge out Northeastern 14-13. As you look at high school scores, remember Indiana and Kentucky are on week 6. And Ohio was on week 5, and now we move on to week 6. Hard to believe we're already halfway through the season. A little bit sad to talk about, really, but there you go. How about some college football scores? Cincinnati, they were only favored by four, I believe, at Marshall. But the Bearcats claw out a 52-14 to win over the Thundering Herd. Miami picks up their first Maxion Conference win of the year. They outscore the Bulls 31-6 after the first quarter and take the victory 34-20. In the Battle of NAIA, it's Thomas Moore, 35, Cincinnati Christian, 19. That's a four-game losing streak for the Eagles, and this one being the worst of them all. By worst, I mean the score differential. All the four losses have been fairly close for CCU, and Thomas Moore picks up the win. Dayton Flyers were off. They're hosting Jacksonville this Saturday at noon, I believe. Wittenberg edges out to Paul. That's the Paul with a W. 17-10. Muskegon defeats Wilmington 38-21. Urbana suffers their first loss on the year, 40 to 20, against number no. five Notre Dame College. That is Notre Dame College in northeastern Ohio, not Notre Dame of South Bend, Indiana. Central State took on a Division One foe, and they fell 63 to 20 to Alabama A&M. And now to club football, Wright State takes care of Wisconsin milwaukee 15 to 7, and the Raiders now two and one after their season opening loss to Oakland. And Miami Club football got underway. They defeated Pitt 42-0, and it was 29-0 Redhawks at the half. And now to some NFL scores. You know I'm going to have to talk about the Bengals loss. I'm not looking forward to it. You're probably not looking forward to it, unless you're not a Bengals fan. Then you probably are looking forward to it, but go away. No, stay. Actually, there's still a lot more podcasts to go. Raiders 31, Colts 24, and hey, did you see Vontez Burfecht did another stupid thing? Uh, Helmet-to-helmet collision on tight end Jack Doyle of the Colts. And now Burfecht is out for the year. Tremendous. You gotta learn not to do that, Burfecht. You gotta learn not to do that. But, do you think it's fair? I do. I mean, if you look through... The fines and everything that Burfick doing that, I think his major one before that was a drug offense, was it? But yeah, so, yeah, Burfick did another stupid tackle and now is paying for it with uh missing the rest of the 2019 season. Although he does have the option to appeal that. And he had three business days. I'm not sure if he's sent in the appeal stuff yet or not. But he doesn't like it. So there you go. Cleveland Browns, they surprised me. They take care of the Baltimore Ravens 40-25. It's a good thing I didn't start Baltimore's defense on my team. But great win for the Browns. And I'm sure that's what Cleveland fans wanted the team to play like. Starting week one. So we'll see if Cleveland can carry the momentum. And Steelers 27, Bengals 3. For Pittsburgh, that's their 17th straight Monday home win. That's impressive. The way the Bengals lost is not impressive, and I have to talk about that. Holy. Anyway, other scores. You remember how I told you Wright State had an 11-match winning streak? Well... That's carrying on a little bit longer as the Raiders won their 12th and 13th straight matches by sweeping Oakland and Youngstown State at home, three sets to none. Like I mentioned, we have two great college volleyball teams, Wright State and Dayton. Go out and see them. The Flyers, it's free. Wright State, it's not much. Come out and see them. They're good teams. For women's soccer, UD fell to the... Uh, defending A-10 champ, St. Louis. And somehow I put Satin Lewis on there. <laughs> that's why I was, that's why I started there. Satin Lewis. <laughs> no, the Flyers fell to St. Louis on the road, 4-1. to And now UD is 1-1-1 in conference play. A win, a loss, and a draw. <laughs> Satin Lewis. Wright State Women's Soccer. Remember they fell at UIC. And UIC then defeated NKU, which is one of the favorites on top of the Horizon League pyramid underneath Milwaukee. Well, the Raiders picked up a 4-1 home win against Oakland. And now Wright State is 1-1 in HL play. Next opponent, well that's tonight. And the Raiders have NKU on the road. Last year they tied and one of the North Kentucky defenders got a red card for shouting FU at a referee. We heard it with the window open from the press box and uh, yeah, that was a great game last year. It was scoreless, but uh yeah, great rivalry, Wright State, Northern Kentucky. I don't care what you tell me. That's the best rivalry in the Horizon League. There you go. And now for men's soccer. The Raiders fell at home to Northern Kentucky after NKU suffered a 3-0 defeat at UD. Wright State scores in the second minute, then NKU wins it in the 78th minute possibly 77th minute from Alex Grieve. Norse take it, and that was a big win. That series is now, I think, 12-4 Raiders, but be able to come into enemy territory and keep grinding and holding a potent Raiders attack to one goal in the second minute, nonetheless. That's impressive, so hats off to the Norse men's soccer team for that. Now, Dayton men's soccer, they won five in a row before last night. They opened up a 10 play with a 2-0 win against UMass in a very, very, very physical game. It was a lot of fun to watch. The Flyers get two goals in the second from Laurel Ogg, I believe. I believe that's who scored both of them. In fact, one was shared by Dayton M. Soccer on Twitter saying this should be part of SportsCenter Top 10. It was one where I had to... You know, look at that. It's like, did that really go in? Or did it bounce off the crossbar? But, yeah, it's great. Uh, go down to my timeline and see it. It's it's a good goal. Now, last night, Wright State and Dayton men's soccer played. Uh, non-conference tilts, both on the road. Wright State held number 18 Duke to a 2-2 draw. And the Flyers fell at Marshall, for the first time ever in series history, by a 2-0 margin. Marshall is receiving votes, and they were 6-1-1, and now 7-1-1. and in that five match winning streak the Flyers had, they outscored their opponents 12 to nothing. Flyers did not get a goal last night against the Thundering Herd. So that's the end of that five game winning streak. Actually, four game winning streak. I don't know why I said five. I'm sorry. Four game winning streak. And the Raiders with an impressive draw. Now, this weekend, which I can't believe I didn't have on my agenda, to talk about today, uh, this week is Wright State Homecoming. And Saturday night is Wright State Men's Soccer hosting Oakland. Women's Soccer doesn't play Saturday. If they do, I think they might be on the road. Volleyball is at home too. So come on out and celebrate Wright State. And you can hear me at the soccer game. So, looking forward to that. And that concludes the local scores part of this episode 117. I'm not going to talk about the Bengals' loss quite yet. That might actually be the last thing I do talk about. What I would like to talk about is the press conference that just happened about an hour ago for the Florence Freedom. No, the team is not moving. No, the team is not going into a semi-collegiate league. They're staying in the Frontier league. But the new ownership is letting you, the fans, choose the next name. Why after 15 years of it being the Florence Freedom? The ownership had a simple answer. It's the ownership transferring and a new ballgame in NKY, but the new ownership keeping it in town. They're looking for a new logo, new name, possible new mascot. I hope not, because the water tower is quite ingenious. And outside the Freedom, when you think of Florence, Kentucky, do you think of that water tower? Of course you do. It's It's a tourist site. The new name will include Florence, so that's not changed in Northern Kentucky or something ridiculous like Water Tower City or what have you. Do not choose Wild Blueberries as the name, I swear, that's that still makes me mad. But then it makes me happy because the team didn't choose Wild Blueberries, so take that! The new ownership wants the fans involved, and they want a kid-friendly atmosphere, which they already do. They do cater a lot to the fans that come in. In fact, I'd say it's the independent version of the Dragons, where they do care a lot about, you know, the people coming in, and so forth. They want a local name. I mean, the Freedom's been around for 15 years, like I mentioned. Came in from 2004. And they are now accepting fan submissions at florencefreedom.com and the grand prize winner, the person that has the name that the pay I can suggest, will win a lifetime pair of season tickets. Free tickets for life, that's pretty darn ace. Nice. And you might be muttering, oh, Hey, can a pay butter, it's not the same. It's baseball, and these players want to move on to... Minor and Major League Baseball. Why is it different? Answer, it's not. So yeah, lifetime season tickets. The link is available now. You can go to FlorenceFreedom.com or visit their social media or go to the link I retweeted a little while ago. And there you can uh, name your team or name the team contest. There is a mail-in option if you look at the official rules. And I look through them, and really, it's a bunch of legal mumble jumbo saying that you know where judges you send in. your answer has to include Florence, I think the team name should be the Florence what what is your team's name, significance to our community, meaning what does it have to do with Florence, Kentucky? Your name, I think that's pretty simple mailing address, contact number, email address, and birth date. And then they ask, do you want to be contacted about anything? It's through Google Forms, and it's running for about two weeks. It ends October 16th at 11 a.m. So, a chance to name your team and win lifetime tickets. That's pretty darn ace. Although I will say from early reactions on social media, both a little Facebook and a little Twitter, a lot of fans don't like it. They want the Florence Freedom name to stay. Natty Sports on Twitter mentioned that you've had this name for 15 years, and any name change will jeopardize that. I mean, the ownership group is Freedom Baseball Club LLC, which name-changing businesses, I'm sure that's not difficult. Uh, The ballpark is located on Freedom Lane. I mean, Freedom... You get that everywhere in the United States. It's not directly linked into Florence, so I get what they're going at. But at the same time, they've been there for 15 years. They are part of the community. They are woven into Florence, Kentucky. Also, I mentioned uh, the team is staying in the Frontier League. The team is also staying at UC Health Stadium. And during the press conference, they were mentioning ways to use UC Health Stadium year-round. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great if Northern Kentucky University played there? I looked on Google Maps because I wasn't sure how close Florence was to Highland Heights. Uh, It's about 18 minutes if you stay on the highways. 23 if you take the back way. Or if you go on the bus, it's 50 minutes. So there you go. It's not the worst. It's not exactly right on campus either. But if that's not possible, where NKU can't play on the artificial turf, why not have an NKU day, a la Raider day at 5th 3rd Field? You know, where Wright State hosts Nova Kentucky for a game at 5th 3rd Field when the Dragons are on the road. Why not the Norse do that with the Raiders? Have a game at UC Health Stadium, and a little chance to play at a independent ballpark. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if that's possible for NKU, but that's why I hope. I'm not quite sure how far Thomas More is from. UC see, help—that's another option too. There, there's options. Use it year-round. Now, of course, in the winter, you know, when snow—I mean, good luck using it. But you get what I'm saying. There's possibilities. So, I definitely like where the ownership is going, and I like the idea. I think I'm on the bandwagon to keep the Freedom name, though. That's just me. So, if you'd like to take a part of this. It's open to people of Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. And you have to be over 18 years of age. Again, runs until October 16th. You can find the link on social media or FlorenceFreedom.com. And get your name in there. I'm hoping that the Freedom are, you know, picked. I mean, I think with a really sharp logo, that Freedom name can stick. I, I didn't hate the old logo to begin with, but there you go. So we'll see what happens there. We're going to take a quick break here on the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast in episode 117, and we'll come back to the Reds. They're done. The Bengals lost Monday Night Football. Yes, I have to talk about it. And two basketball teams in Dayton, Ohio, and they're both not college teams. It's more likely than you think. We'll step aside real quick and come back. With more. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit the slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mallon of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. Anchor is 100% free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place, and all for free. I love hosting on Anchor. It's been super easy to upload episodes, and when I had a problem with something, their tech support got it fixed very quickly. Download the free Anchor app on Google Play or in the App Store, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, the easiest way on making a podcast. You know what's nice about that public ad? I don't have to change a thing because I never said the jam on the Queen's Crown, so that's great. I didn't even remember to think to look into that, but there we go. Anyway, let's get back to episode 117. Still a lot to cover. We still have to talk about that dreadful Bengals loss. Ugh, that'll probably be last. And we gotta talk about the Reds making a couple changes of their own. Today is the... First day of the 2019-2020 NHL season. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end to make sure I don't leave this off at an angry point. But first, I'd like to bring to your attention the two basketball teams calling Dayton, Ohio home. And no, I'm not talking about UD or Wright State basketball. That's collegially. Or Sinclair. Go check out Sinclair. They got a good program. I'm talking about two semi-pro teams calling Dayton, Ohio home. Now, one I've known about for a little over a month now, and I've just never got around to talk about him on the podcast. and I am sorry for that. So we'll start off with this team. This is written by David Jablonski in the Dayton Daily News, dated August 28th of this year. You might know David for his coverage of Dayton Flyers and Wittenberg Tigers stuff, and I think he does a little Ohio State stuff too. The Dayton Flight, joined the Basketball League. Which league? The Basketball League. I just told you. First paragraph mentions that this is a college basketball hotbed. No kidding. I mean, we got Cincinnati down south less than an hour away. And Dayton and Wright State, they can hold their own in D1. And of course, the names Flyers and Wright State, well, they have to do with Dayton, Ohio, being the birthplace of aviation. Flyers because Flyers and Rudy Flyer being a pilot. Wright State, named after the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur. You know, the two people responsible for making planes take off the ground and stay up in the air. So yeah, that's aviation for you. How do you spell patronize? Answer, just listen to that last thing I said. The Basketball League, which finished its second season in May, announced that the Gem City would have a team for 2020 called the Dayton Flight. Now, if you want to know a little bit about the basketball league, it's ran by a former Indiana Mr. Basketball player, and he played collegiately at Kansas, David Magley. He founded the league with his wife, Evelyn. He compared the level of play to the second or third tier leagues in Europe or A in minor league baseball, meaning Reds would be Chattanooga, hockey that would be Cincinnati, or Columbus. Mm, who is Columbus's ECHL team? It's not Kalamazoo, is it? Hmm. I'll have to look that up later. Interesting. Anyway. Magley said in the article, every country in the world has multiple levels of pro basketball. You see a lot of Raiders and Flyers take overseas because basketball is pretty big in Europe. In the U.S., you really have the NBA and the G League, which is pretty much the same thing because the NBA is now taken over the G League. Markets, for the most part, move them within an hour of the NBA franchise so they can operate like a JV Varsity. Makes sense because they don't need them as profit centers, they need them as development pieces. So the basketball league comes in trying to fill the void by launching teams in Albany, New York, Owensboro, Kentucky, and Yakima, Washington. Now, this was once known as the North America Premier Basketball league in 2018, but then it changed its name shortly thereafter. Ten teams last season, and the league's adding four for this upcoming season, beginning in February, and they have a fellow Ohio team, the Columbus Condors. Now, this is a team I've been following for a little bit. They weren't known as the Columbus Condors. They were known as the Ohio Bootleggers, and I found that name to be absolutely Absolutely unique and astonishing that it exists, because I, I loved it. And the logo was a guy hoisting uh barrels of what I assume is alcohol. I don't know, it's a logo. And it almost had like, you remember the Indiana Pacers, the pinstripe jerseys they had? Late 90s, early 2000s? Almost remind me of that, except it's not the Pacers colors. It was more a sh- darker shade of blue and like maroon red. It was nice. I was sad they changed it from the Ohio Bootleggers to the Condors, but with Columbus being in the in the name, it helps identify where in Ohio it is. So there is a little something I like about that change. So who's running the flight? Well, you have Brandon Harper, a graduate of Colonel White High School, that's Thurgood Marshall nowadays. For those not in the know, and Central State University. He's worked as a sports agent, along with Daniel Hill Sr., a private investor. That's the ownership group. And Brandon Harper is the cousin of Ron Harper, who is the head coach. Is he still at Georgia State? He was at IUPUI for a little bit. And yes, I remember Ron Harper because that scene in the tournament where he was on a rolling chair because of an injury. I think he injured his ankle celebrating with the team's tournament win, and he fell off that after a big bucket. I think he's still there. Anyway, Brandon Harper is the cousin of Miami Redhawks' great Ron Harper. He's the GM, Brandon Harper is. Harper adds that the timing is so unfortunate with the devastation Dayton, with the shooting and the tornadoes, but what the flight's looking to do is rejuvenate the city in their own way by building a championship team on and off the court. So Harper's first priority is to build a roster. The trial was last month, September 7th and 8th at Thurgood Marshall High School. Going back to David Magley, who runs with his wife Evelyn, the basketball league, he doesn't want the teams to overspend. The league's goal is to find local players who are looking to start their pro careers or players who saw action overseas but want to stay close at home, and former NBA players who want to keep playing for a little bit in the United States League. The players' salaries range from 1500 to 6500 per month, depending on how long you've been in. Harper adds, If you're going to build a championship team on and off the court, we want to get guys who have the passion. We want to find guys who are going to be part of the fabric of the community of Dayton. And Harper... His second priority is to find a place to play. Remember, Basketball League doesn't want teams to spend much, so Nutter Center and UD Arena are probably off the table. Harper wants to pick a site between Thurgood Marshall or, more likely, Tropwood Mass, and both have pretty nice basketball gyms. Magley says that he needs a 1,000 people per game to break even. The flight... Should have a head coach soon. And he also mentions that they don't need a 6,000 or 10,000 seat arena. That's why I mentioned UD Arena Wright State's Nutter Center probably off the table because the operation costs to run the arena and marketing-wise, can you get that many people in to cover that cost? The secret of our success, or it's the secret to our success, is to be really engaged in the community. That's why we started it. Drawing down through the article, David Jablonski adds in the history of minor league basketball in Dayton. Dayton had the Wings playing in the World Basketball League at the North Center in 91, and won the championship that year as well. And the league folded with eight teams remaining in the regular season in 1992 and the world basketball league was for players 6 foot 5 and under. The Dayton Jets, that's a team I know a little bit about. They called Hara Arena Home, part of the International Basketball League. Made it to the championship game, lost it, then their only se- season of existence. I forget if the IBL folded or the Jets did. Really want to see a basketball game at Hera because I think with well what the seeding was, I think that would have been a nice environment. There's the Dayton Air Strikers. I was part of that team for three seasons, two winter and one summer. The article says they competed through 2016. I know they competed a couple of years afterwards. The Air Strikers bounced from league to league, started in the PBL, the Premier Basketball League, and then went to the Midwest Basketball League, and they've been through, they've been a couple leagues. Harper's hoping the new franchise follows the route of the Dayton Dragons in terms of getting customers in, taking care of them. Harper wants to take flight in a special way. We know the Dayton Dragons is a heck of a blueprint, 20 years strong now. For me, Harper, or anybody else to get into this and not look at them as a standard, that'd be foolish. Now, I was really looking forward to the flight. Because, A, I think with the right marketing, and not just social media, with the right marketing, you reach out, make people feel welcome, I think it could be a really nice thing. And like I mentioned, you only need a thousand people per game to break even, so you average that, then there you go. So I think that's pretty nice. And you might get the idea that, oh, they're playing in high school, it doesn't matter. Like I said, it's semi-pro. If you want a G League, yeah, we'll talk about building an arena. But, again, you don't need the massive arenas to... You don't need it to break even. In fact, that'd probably hurt your, you know, operation budget more. Uh, I claim to be this expert in accounting. Trust me, I'm not. But, there you go. Trent Arena would be about 5,000 seats, I think. I think that'd be a nice place, but, you know, with flying to the hoop, you know, that's definitely blocked that off. But then again, season starts February, and that's in January, so I guess that wouldn't really matter so much. But there you go. You got the Dayton flight joining the basketball league and their season. Looks to start February 2020, start of the new decade. Can you believe it? We're only a couple months away from a new decade. I kind of can. not My jaw fell from that. So I'm looking forward to learning more about Dayton flight. And then the other day, I saw something interesting. A basketball team called the Dayton Eagles. Now, I did a little research, and most of my research points out to either the Dayton Flyers women's basketball team hosting Coppin State's uh, December 31st. Or Chaminade Julian and the Eagles. Because they're near downtown Dayton. So trying to find Dayton Eagles stuff was a little bit tough. But they got a Facebook page, Dayton Eagles Basketball. Click on that and it takes you there. It's amazing how the internet works. So I looked into the Dayton Eagles. And. Actually, where did that go? Uh, you can follow them. Like I said, They. URLs: facebook.com/slash eagle That's a really nice logo too. It's like like a chocolate maroon and pale gold. I do like the logo. Anyway, a second basketball team? Surely you jest. Well, I looked on the Facebook page, and there are videos of the Eagles playing basketball already, and the latest one is from September 30th at Belmont High School, which is, if you don't know, Tribe Mass, Madison, Thurgood Marshall, that is north of 35, still south of 70, and Belmont would be south of downtown Dayton, in one of the older villages in Dayton, I believe. So, yeah. Dayton Eagles. Do a little research, they will call the Maximum Basketball League home. I do like these. Meyer League Basketball League. We have the Basketball League and the Maximum Basketball League. I think this was the Midwest Basketball League, if I remember right. So the Dayton Eagles already exist, and they have jerseys and everything. They look nice. Try to see where that post was. Oh, this is from December twenty-sixth. Making Moves, as the post says. And it's from the Mas- Maximum Basketball League. Welcome to the Dayton Eagles Basketball for our 2020 season out of Dayton, Ohio. If you do a little more research on Dayton Eagles, originally, they were supposed to be part of the ABA. If you know your basketball history, you know the first American Basketball Association, big part in helping the NBA you know form. In fact, that's where the Indiana Pacers, Denver Nuggets, and there's a couple more teams that I can't remember from the ABA that went over to the NBA. This new version, there's a lot of teams. You look at the management teams page on aba liveaction.com. There's a bunch of teams. There's a there's a good size here. We want the North Central region. That's where most of the Midwestern teams are, and apparently there are teams in Cincinnati and Columbus. If you look, the Dayton Eagles are no longer listed. And I looked through all the names that really didn't have, you know, a connection to the city. Like Team Network. Where would you think Team Network's played? Would you think that'd be... I don't know. It's Detroit, Michigan. So there you go. There's uh the Ohio Kings. There's a the Cincinnati team. Apparently the Columbus team's called the Buckeyes. I wonder why. Uh Pittsburgh's got the Steel City Yellow Jackets. In fact, my friend Dom Errico he was, is the announcer for them? I don't remember. You have a couple teams around Indiana, Michigan. I think the farthest team out east is Camden, New Jersey. And yes, I'm going to admit, I thought it was Camden, Ohio. I know that'd be silly, because Camden, Ohio, the closest basketball gym you have, is Preble Shawnee, and that's not... In Camden, that's in the country. That's why it's not called Camden City Schools. There you go. And it's not a city, it's a village, I think. It's Camden, New Jersey, so there you go. So yeah, Dayton Eagles are no longer part of the ABA. There was an article, I'm trying to go back now, to recover it. Here we go, it's here. It's from July 24th, 2019, the American Basketball Association announced that the Dayton Eagles will be a late entry into this league for this season. The ABA CEO mentions that it's a great fit, especially with new teams in Columbus and Cincinnati, and existing teams in Cleveland and Akron. Great competition, easy travel, and it's pretty easy, I think. Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, that's all I-71. Dayton's not that far away from it. And Akron, not that far away either, so it's nice. The team's owned by Deshaun Carter, a native of Dayton, a graduate of Dunbar High School, another Dayton City school, Dayton City League school for you. Also graduated from Central State University. He received a business and marketing degree. Played college basketball for an injury, ended his career. Carter adds he wanted to own a professional basketball team, and now I have one in the great ABA. I'm very excited. And also Deshaun Carter has his own clothing line as well. And this is written by the CEO of the ABA, Joe Newman. It's been several, several, several years now, but there's always these horror stories about the ABA and, you know, teams not showing up, teams don't have jerseys and everything like that. I'm not going into that. You can go in that old rabbit hole and do your own reading. But two basketball teams in Dayton, I think that can work. Uh, I think... You know, I think if the Eagles and Flight play their cards right, it'd be a really nice rivalry. And I think they can do a lot of good for the folks still hurting from the tornadoes and the shooting. It'd be a great event. And also, I mentioned Eagles are south of downtown Dayton. Flight looking at north of downtown. Well... Trotwood technically isn't Dayton, it's in the Dayton area, but you get where I'm going with this. So yeah, I I really hope that it works out for both those teams. What's the schedules look like? Well, I can't tell you that. Because I'm on the Dayton Eagles page on Maximum Basketball League's website, officialmbl.org. And there's no games for the Eagles. Actually, I probably should look that the flight, see if they have a schedule out yet. Let's look that up real quick. But I I think Dayton needs sports. You can disagree with me all you want, but I think Dayton should be considered a good sporting market. I always thought it was. So we go to the basketballleague.net, let it load. Hey, Albany Patroons announced new ownership. Cool. Let's go to league. And they are not listed. we go down to league on the Basketball League's website, it's Albany, Jamestown, Owensboro, Thoroughbreds, New York Court Kings, Mesquite Desert Dogs, Rally Thunderbirds, San Diego Waves, Tampa Bay Titans, and Yakima Sun Kings. Let's go to news, see if we can find it there. Well, there's the article by David Jablonski, the third article there. So, ah, here's another article. They're joining the Louisville Yellow Jackets, the Columbus Condors, the Dallas Skyline, and the Tri-State Admirals. Let's read that article. Dayton flight takes off in Ohio. I like that line. I don't know about you, but I, I do like when teams try to connect the, you know, whole aviation thing to Dayton, Ohio. Looking through here, oh, Brandon Harper got his dual bachelor's degree at Central State in International Business and Management Information Systems at CSU. Looking through here, seeing if there's anything else. And they have a director of marketing, the flight due, Mervin Marencio. He's a local businessman. Evelyn Magley mentions that Dayton is a great market both demographically and geographically for a current footprint, helping fill out the Midwest pod with Columbus and Owensboro within a few hours' drive. Columbus about an hour away, Owensboro, a little bit longer, it's on the other side of Louisville, no? Yeah, I guess it is, because it's Owensboro and Evansville, out there. And Evelyn mentions she's impressed with their vision for engaging and impacting the community, These men were born and raised in. So if I get a schedule for either the Eagles or the flight, it'll be on this podcast. And like I said, I can't wait because, again, Dayton should be considered a strong minor league city. Major league? Probably not. Maybe never. But we love our sports here in Dayton, Ohio. At least I do. Don't know about you. Now we scroll up and talk about the Reds, because I'm still not ready to talk about that Bengals loss. I wasn't even listening to it. Jeremy Lance gave me the great idea of buying one of those cheap radios of Meyer, and I did. He got it for five. I got it for nine. Girl, But it's probably, I don't know. But anyway. I I didn't even have it turned on, because once I saw that Pittsburgh went up 7-3, I was like, uh eh, my gut's telling me that's the end of the game. And I was right. Which at that point I hate saying that I'm right on that. The Reds finished the year 75 and 87, three losses away from 90, but that breaks the streak of having 90 straight or six seasons of nine straight losses. However, the Reds haven't made the playoffs in six straight seasons. I can't tell you how many people want David Bell gone. Good lord, I get it, people. You don't like him. You don't like his st- changes, you don't like his double switches, you don't like the way he manages. I get it. But give the man a chance. The Reds, however, are not giving Turner Ward a chance. He got canned after one season. Then someone brought up the point. He's the former Los Angeles Dodgers batting or hitting coach, batting coach, sorry, hitting coach. He came over when Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig were Reds. Of course, Kemp got the boot quite early and Puig was traded over to Cleveland. I never thought of that, but hitting uh, kind of let the Reds down this year. Pitching was, starting pitching, outstanding. Bullpen, start off outstanding, and then kind of wet poop. In fact, a lot of the pieces from years gone by in that bullpen are no longer with the Reds. In fact, one name I can remember is Amir Garrett. Thank goodness the Reds didn't get rid of him. I got with Wandy Peralta. He's now with Sam Fran. Jared Hughes, I believe, went to Philadelphia. I think he suffered one of the losses against the Reds. And there's uh, there's uh more names. I just can't think of them. David Hernandez got picked up by the Yankees in the minor league. Uh Pick up for scranton wilkes And he got cut shortly thereafter. So, yeah. Definitely bullpen needs added on. But the Reds weren't done there. You think Turner Ward was the only person gone? Lord, no. They got rid of Billy Hatcher, Jody Davis, Jeff Fasaro, and Danny Darwin. Now, you might wonder who any of those people are if you don't follow the Reds closely. Well, Billy Hatcher should be pretty obvious. Spent 14 years with Cincinnati as a coach. His first year in the minor league system with the Reds. He was the outfield and base running coach throughout, and previous years he was third and first base coach. Not at the same time. He swapped from one to the other. 14 years with Cincy. That does make me a little sad, because he was a Red, too, but hey, if the Reds feel like changes are needed, then changes are needed. Jody Davis was a minor league manager for the Reds for the past few years, managed Mostly with double A Pensacola, and I think this year got the move up to Louisville. Possibly last year. And Louisville did not do well this year. Seems like the Bats haven't done well in the past few years. So Joey Davis is out as long, as well as pitching coach at Louisville, Jeff Vassaro. And the pitching coach at Chattanooga, double A Chattanooga, Danny Darwin, he's out the door as well. The Reds made a couple hires, and one of them that you should keep your eyes peeled on, is Kyle Bode. You might know Kyle Bode of Driveline Baseball, which is a business that helps out Major League and Minor League pitchers do their thing. This is from RedsMinerLeagues.com, again by my good friend Doug Gray. This is released today. The Cincinnati Reds announced that they hired Kyle Bode to be the Director of Pitching Initiatives and Pitching Coordinator. It's the one move focused in the article. I mentioned Driveline Baseball. It's the training center for all kinds of professionals near the forefront of utilizing advanced data, pitch tracking, slow motion cameras, weighted baseball training, etc. For me, I like my basic stats. What are you hitting? What are you pitching? You know, strikeouts, walks, that type of thing. But the game's moving on to advanced stats, and I'll be honest, some of these I don't understand. So if you know them, you know, tell me about them. But there you go. The Reds have sent more than a few players out the driveline to work on things, Trevor Bauer being one of them. had <laughs> Kyle Bodie on his uh, tweet. He mentions that he works entirely in the Meyer league, so fortunately he won't have to see Bauer outage on Twitter. That's Trevor Bauer's Twitter name. Any more than I have to. <laughs> I like that. It seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Pitching coach Derek Johnson, who I still think is a great hire for the Reds, he's not a drive line guy, but much of what he does follows along the same lines. So he might not be working with drive line, but he falls along the same footprint as advanced stats and yada yada yada. Now with this deal that Kyle Bodie signed with Cincinnati, he cannot work with any more teams outside Cincinnati. Company can, he can't. He signed a multi-year deal with Cincinnati, but the company will continue to roll on. The title, it sounds pretty fancy. Again, Director of Pitching Initiatives and Pitching Coordinator. It's never existed in the Cincinnati Reds organization. The Pitching Coordinator, that part has. If you remember Tony Fosses, he was the minor league coordinator this past season. Fossus is staying with Cincinnati in some role, and Bodie takes his role. Really, really interesting hire, and maybe that helps out the free agent market. Reds will probably be in the market for one, maybe two starters. Bullpen definitely needs attention. I mean, especially this year with Rysel Glacius losing, what was it, 13 games, 14 games? and most of those save situations. It's, uh, yeah. It, it Bullpen needs some serious attention. And a batter or two. Depending on what the Reds think about. Aristides Aquino. Or Aristides, I think that's what Marty said. I've heard it like five different times once Aquino came back up in the majors, so. You know. In 2014, Bodie turned down a role with the Houston Astros. And he mentions that he really was blown away with the direction the Reds are going. And he felt like the Reds' opportunity was just, it just felt right. So very, very interesting to see what Kyle Bodie's effect happens in the Reds' minor league system with Derek Johnson, and I feel like that might be a nice start with things as well. There's also a new hire, Caleb Cawtham, uh, two years back was a Red. Try to find that article on here. I should mention Danny Darwin, who was released from AA Chattanooga. His nickname was Dr. Death. That's an outstanding nickname, I don't care who you are. Still on RedsMireLeagues.com. Mention Caleb Cawtham was hired in a role with the Reds. I'm not really seeing it. Probably talk about next week. But, see the Reds are starting to make a couple changes. We'll see who managed Louisville next year and who the pitching coach at the AA and AAA level will be. It sounds like the Dragons staff is staying put. There really hasn't been any firings down there. But, they could move up down, you know, it's happened. But, we'll see as time goes on this offseason. By the way, what'd you all think of that NL wildcard game? How about that comeback by Washington? That was, that was pretty big. Against Josh Hader of all pitchers. Playoffs are a different animal, it's a new season. The Brewers are out, Nationals move on, believe they're taking on LA. And the AL wildcards tonight with Oakland at Tampa Bay, a game that I can't decide who I want to see win. Oakland's got Shaw Murphy of right State in Centerville, and he's done quite well. He's batted 240-something, but power's there, and defensively as a catcher, it's the entire package. So I, I definitely like to see Murphy and the Athletics move on, but won't be mad if the Rays do, because the Rays do have a very nice team, and that's a farm system I like to see Cincinnati try to... You know, make one of their own. In terms of the success, I'd like to see the Reds' farm system be as successful, even more successful than Tampa Bay's. So there you go. So fans, twenty twenty outlook: What are we looking at? Are we more positive going into this off season? Are we more negative? What are we feeling like? I think twenty twenty could be a special year, especially the fact that the Cubs and Pirates will have new managers, Clint Hurdle. It was originally announced he'll come back for twenty twenty, but then a day or two later he gets fired. And Joe Mann gets the boot from Chicago. What was the chances the Cubs made the playoffs? It's like in June, it was like at least over seventy-eight. And they didn't. Which uh you hate to see it, but there you go. What do we want in the offseason? Like I mentioned, that bullpen needs some serious attention, and I think you can try to find a solid four or five in that starting rotation. You might argue Tyler Maui. Uh, maybe. We'll see how he does with this off season. But I like Castillo. I think Bauer rebounds from 2019. I think Di is a solid fit there. I know there's another pitcher. Oh, Wood. I don't see Wood coming back, which is a shame because I was really hoping he would, but that's baseball. That's the business. So there you go. So whatever you feel about Reds off season, you know, you can interact with the podcast and I'll talk about it. So you can do that by interacting on Twitter at Sinday Pod and the Lee W. Mallon or go to the Facebook page, the Cincinnati Dating Sports Podcast. Let's see. What else can I talk about? The weather. It's still hot. Why is it still hot? Uh, we can talk about, okay, fine. I'll talk about the Bengals loss. I'm not looking forward to it. I said very, very, <laughs> very strongly. As you know, the Bengals are now zero and four. They lost to Pittsburgh twenty-seven to three on Monday Night Football. I was hoping the Bengals and Steelers would be a lot closer than that, and possibly the Bengals take the game at Heinz Field. But nope, it was not meant to be. So let's scroll through and tell you some stats. Cincinnati had a 3-0 lead after one, but Pittsburgh got 10 in the second, 14 in the third, and three in the fourth to seal it away from the Bengals. Randy Bullock, the only Cincinnati score a 28-yard field goal with 54 seconds burned off the drive and a 22 remaining in the quarter. So the Bengals did strike early. I do like that. And the Steelers, they struck early in the second. It was Connor from Rudolph. Which, I don't know if I mentioned, but I think Rudolph is going to have a bright future with Pittsburgh. And I really do like James Conner. He's not immune to criticism. He's had a slow start, I know. But, I still like Conner. I think he'll do nice for Pittsburgh and the Steelers. Conner rushed for 42 yards on 10 carries. Samuels rushed for 26 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown as Pittsburgh got 66 yards on the ground on 25 attempts. That's not bad. Although, is that the Bengals' defense stopping the Steelers' run, or is it the Steelers' running game not that good? I don't know. The Bengals rushed 19 times for 73 yards, so again, another game where the Bengals do not get over the 100-yard marking in rushing. Mixon, 62 yards on 15 carries. Dalton, three, carries eight yards. Bernard, one, carry, three yards. Oof. Look at the quarterbacks now. Samuels is listed as a quarterback. That's great. Three for three for 31 yards. Rudolph went 24-28 for 229 yards. No picks, two touchdowns. His quarterback ranking a very nice 124.6. Andy Dalton on the other side. Sacked eight times. I know there's people out there that don't like Andy Dalton. I'm not one of them. I like Andy Dalton. Is he going to take us to the Super Bowl? Probably not, but he's serviceable. He's good. But with that offensive line, you might as well have construction barrels in front. At least they can block for a little bit. Oh, Bobby Hart. Andre Smith. Oh. Anyway. Andy Dalton, 21 of 37, 171 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, at a QB ranking of 57.4. That's not good. Samuels, his 3 for 3 with 31 yards. Of course, he's a running back. He's the second-string running back for Pittsburgh. 109.7. When your second-string running back has a better quarterback ranking, you know things went south. Receiving-wise, Connor, 8-of-8, eight eight, 83 yards and one touchdown. Samuels, 8-of-8, eight eight, 57 yards. Johnson, 6-of-6 six six for 77 yards and a touchdown. Smith-Schuster, 3-of-4 for 15 yards. I think I mentioned this, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? Smith-Schuster, great running back, or great wide receiver. He's a great running back, yes. A great Receiver. But is Brown's absence really hurting him? Think about it. With Brown drawing double team off the defense, you got Smith Schuster there. Is that hurting Juju? I don't know. I do like Juju though. Out of USC, Southern Cal, fight on. The net 2 a two twenty-eight yards, and Snell and Washington over one for Cincinnati. Auden take four catches, six attempts, fifty yards. 4-6 was Bernard, 16 yards. 4-5 for Mixon, 1 positive yard. John Ross the third, 3-6 for 36 yards. More news on Ross in a minute. Boyd, 3-6, 33 yards. Eifert, 2-5, 27 yards. Willis, 1-1, one one, 8 yards. Uzoma, 0 for 1. So the Bengals receiving core picked up 171 yards. And Pittsburgh picked up 260. Yeah. One interception, it was Barron for Pittsburgh. Punting-wise, Barry for Pittsburgh twice for 99 yards. Hubert, five punts, 205 yards to get a touchback and pin Pittsburgh inside the 20 once. Yeah. And Cincinnati has developed a fumbling problem again. Not as bad as Seattle, but uh pretty pretty darn close. Dalton, two fumbles, lost one. And uh, Pittsburgh, uh Johnson, lost the only fumble for Pittsburgh. Now going back to the news on John Ross, I thought this year would be great for him. I thought he bounced back the first two games. Woo-wee. Watch out. Third game, not so much. This game, not so much. But if I go to my profile here, there's an injury to John Ross. And it's in his other shoulder. He got, what was it, his right one operated? John Ross is looking at about a month's absence, multiple games after suffering a right shoulder injury on Monday night. Likely a grade two moderate AC sprain. I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on this podcast, but sprain, it's decent news. It means Probably won't need surgery. Sprains can heal themselves. At least they think they can. Now, I mentioned it's on his other shoulder. In 2017, he had something happen to his left shoulder, and I think it took him out pretty much most of that season. Now he's got the right shoulder. Ugh. The injury bug bites down on a promising wide receiver for the Bengals. <sighs> Try to find... Anything else? First down battles were close. Both teams of five rushing first downs. Steelers got three more passing first downs than Cincinnati did, 12-9. And by penalty, Steelers three, Bengals two. Third down efficiency, four of 14 for Cincinnati. Ouch. Pittsburgh not that much better at three of nine, percentage wise. Fourth down, the Bengals went one of three. Pittsburgh went 0 for one. Pittsburgh grinded out 326 yards. Total, Cincinnati only managed 175. I really didn't want to read the stats on this. Following through on social media, I think that was enough. Trying to see if there's anything else I can mention, but... Yeah. That offensive line needs fixed. Not even... You know, put a piece here and it's all better. It needs fixed. All five spots in the offensive line... It needs taken care of. You can't have a running game without an offensive line. You can't have a quarterback play well without an offensive line. That OL needs swapped. Now! Not 2020 season, now! Are we really looking down the barrel of an 0 and sixteen season? Arizona's in town this upcoming Sunday. So I'd like to tell you no. The Bengals are probably looking at two and fourteen, maybe three and thirteen season. But I two and fourteen seems optimistic after this game. I mean Oh it's it's so hard to talk about. It's I feel like I'm going to get to this point where I'm saying every week the offensive line needs help. It needs support. And people want to throw Ryan Finley in there. For what? He's just gonna get slaughtered as that offensive line just lets through the defense. Dalton got sacked eight times. You think Finley wouldn't got sacked with that offensive line? Grant, I like to see what Finley can do too, but like I said, Dalton is not the big issue here. It's that darn line what happened to the team from week one Why I looked up and said you know what it's a one-point loss to Seattle they lost that game late but it's competitive the San Francisco game and the Pittsburgh game I'm looking at this like what happened to that team they had Buffalo game at least the Bengals were in it Buffalo's got a pretty darn good defense we're talking about an 0-3 Pittsburgh team that, I mean, most of their losses were close too. but... Oh. You thought I'd be a little more even than that. And I'm not trying to take anyth- anything away from Pittsburgh. Honest to goodness, I don't, but... <sighs> there was a tweet, and I think I didn't retweet it, which makes me mad now, because mentioning, the offensive line is alright if you just replace the tackles the guards and the center It's like hey that's the entire offensive oh I get it because it's not good Ah, uh, it's just when Mark Schlemmer who's co-host of Kenner and Schlemmer and a guest on this podcast way back in the day when he mentions he's giving up being a fan of the Bengals until Mike Brown and his family is no longer in the picture you know things weren't good saw on Twitter today where fans are taking off their Bengals gear and then putting on Patriots gear which you know I'm not in for the bandwagon thing and yes I do like the Patriots but it's long before the dynasty begun so there you go you can't call me a bandwagoner if you're wondering if the Bengals are participating in the tank for Tua because that's been a popular thing on social media I'd say, I don't know. I don't know at this point. The first-round picks could probably going to be an early one. I think I mentioned what I feel needs fixed. Linebackers need, we need speedier linebackers, better depth out there. What happened to the team that was competing and made the playoffs? What happened? Where did that spin down? Was that playoff loss to Pittsburgh that crushing? Where the team doesn't even fight back the next few years? Last year was the 50th year of the Bengals being in Cincinnati. you think the team would, you know, I don't know, try to be competitive, but no. Is there really a new day on the horizon? Or is that poster right where it's Mayday? Day? I, I, it was, again, from Twitter, and someone had a poster of a Bengals playing in the Ohio River next to Paul Brown Stadium, and Mike Brown's like, oh! And we can't even make the whole thing who he spends money. On what? This team that's 0-4, winless in the first quarter of the season? I mean, the good thing is, there's the Cardinals, Jets, and Dolphins. But, uh, you're really expecting anything else? I'm not going to jump ship. That's not what I do. I'm a Bengals fan through and through until the day I'm buried in the ground. Or, as I tell Leslie, you know, just left on the ground on the nearest road, left to rot. I'll be a Bengals fan forever. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And I want this team to be better than 0-4. We might be in for a rough 2019, folks. Might be. We're already in a rough 2019. Arizona's coming in 0-3-1. You might know the story of the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, formerly of Texas Tech. Got Kyle Rosen. Did Rosen get hurt, or am I dreaming that? I don't know. I I like to tell you the Bengals have a fighting chance against the the Cardinals, but At this point, I don't know. I don't know. But, I'll find out Sunday. I think they play at one. I got the Flyers softball doubleheader to work, so. Probably won't listen to that game, and you know what? It might be for the better. Although I do miss Dan Horde's voice. Quick question, why couldn't Dan Horde be the next voice of the Reds? Dude's worked in minor league baseball, I think he was in Pawtucket before coming back to Cincinnati. Think He's a heck of a broadcaster, and hopefully I have him on a guest in this podcast soon. Well, soon. Well, sometime when I do podcasts. But, yeah, Dan Hort's probably one of my favorite sportscasters to listen to. Does such a nice job with Bearcats and Bengals. Would love to hear him with the Reds. But there you go. So let's end this episode on a high note, because we're already past the hour mark. Hooray. Today starts the 2019-2020 NHL season. You know how much I like hockey, so much I broadcast it. I looked up on Wikipedia to see if today was really the start of the season. You know, because Wikipedia is so, you know, dependable. It is. Uh, Blue Jackets don't play tonight, though. So, there you go. I wanted to see uh, who was all starting. We'll get to that in a second. There's a couple of rule changes that were proposed uh, earlier this summer. And approve June twentieth of this year, the league has adopted the David Legill rule deliberately moving the goalpost off its moorings to stop play on the breakaway will result in an awarded goal. How great is that? Can't kick the net away to prevent a goal now, can you? <laughs> I don't know how many times we're going to hear about an n h l but uh I hope it happens at least once. <laughs> Now, something that uh, I found very interesting on the rule changes. There's a couple more of ones too. In event the Annette, in the event Annette, I think I said in the Annette is event. Doctor Seuss, I am not. In the event Annette is accidentally knocked off its moorings, or a puck shot from beyond center ice is stop and frozen by the goaltender, the faceoff will take place in the goaltender's defensive zone. With the team on offensive given choice of which side, near or far. In such cases, the defensive team will not be allowed to make a line change. So like icing in the pros. High school, you can change lines with icing because they're kids. They need rest. And some teams, they don't have a lot on their squad. So, you know, you might have a team with eight kids. I think Troy had nine kids last year. So that gets tough on kids. So, yeah but you get what I'm saying. A puck that leaves out of play in the offensive zone will remain in the offensive zone for the next faceoff. Players that lose their helmet during play must return to the bench as soon as it's feasible or can be replaced, or the player has to go get their helmet. Safety first. Video review is something very, very interesting. Teams now have an unlimited number of coaches' challenges. But failed challenges now result in delay of game penalties instead of their timeout. So the first failed challenge will be a two-minute minor, and someone off the bench goes and serves that. And after that, it becomes a four-minute double minor for failed challenges. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see too much of that, but who knows? Maybe. But I, I think that's kind of cool, actually. Uh, you might hate instant replay. I think that it's got its purpose. And sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. But there you go. Apparently, delay of game penalty for pucks going over the glass will not be reviewable under this situation. A team may challenge goals that follow plays in the offensive zone that should have instead resulted in stoppage before the puck went into the net, meaning if it's off the goalie and finished off when it should have been ruled dead because ref didn't see the puck, didn't blow it quick enough, you know, that type of thing. Missed stoppages include hand passes, pucks high-sticked to a teammate, and pucks hitting the netting or going into the player's bench. Delay of game penalty for pucks going over the glass will still not be reviewable. I just said that. Sorry. All match and major penalties, excluding fighting, will be required to video review. Officials will reserve the authority to reduce the penalty to a minor penalty, depending on the result of the review. But referees cannot get rid of a penalty altogether. Okay, that's pretty interesting. And referees have the option to review high-sticking double minors at their discretion and without consultation with the NHL Situation Room, which I believe is just their review office in Toronto. Yeah, I kind of like the unlimited reviews, but if you're wrong, then you go serve a double, well, you go serve a delay of game minor, and then double minor after that. I like that. So, we'll see how that goes. So, who's playing in the NHL opener? Well, that's a very good question. Tonight, you have the Ottawa Senators at the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Washington Capitals at the St. Louis Blues, who will be getting nice rings. I saw them on Twitter. They do look really nice. The Vancouver Canucks are at the Edmonton Oilers, and the San Jose Sharks are at the Vegas Golden Knights. Tomorrow, you have the bunch of jerks. I'm sorry, the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm sorry, I like that nickname. I still want to get a bunch of jerks shirt. Even though the Hurricanes might not be a team that, you know, I actively root for. How can you hate that name? (laughs) Thanks, Don Cherry. Anyway, Carolina hosts Montreal and the Canadiens. And Buffalo will be at Pittsburgh tomorrow. Let's see when the Blue Jackets play. Panthers at Tampa Bay, Florida at Tampa Bay tomorrow, Winnipeg at New York, that's tomorrow, the Wild at Nashville, Minnesota at the Predators, Boston at Dallas, Flames at the Avalanche, Calgary at Colorado, and Arizona at Anaheim. I almost said San Jose for a minute. What's wrong with me? Friday! There's the Blue Jackets. they host Toronto at 7. Kind of can't wait to see that, and... I don't know what to expect this Blue Jackets season. Not in the basement, like Ottawa probably is. Man, Eugene Melnick, why did you have to just make everything worse with the Senators? Why? I mean, of course, the big pieces, the bread man's now with the Rangers, Bob now in Florida, and the pieces that the Blue Jackets traded for to get to the playoffs last year, they're gone too. Actually, where did uh, Duchenne go? forget did he go to new york i don't think he did i guess i'll find out tonight ho ho anyway friday games winnipeg's at new jersey vegas is at san jose washington's at the islanders and chicago is at philadelphia so yes blue jackets fans friday is the season opener for you i like the blue jackets and the canadian teams but I really don't have any teams that I hate. I don't know what to expect this season. Hopefully the Blue Jackets make in the playoffs with, you know, incoming pieces. Korpisalo, I think, will do nice as the number one. I mean, look at Bob Roski. When the Blue Jackets acquired him from Philadelphia, he was the backup in Philadelphia. And when he got the number one role in Columbus, he blossomed. So I'm hoping it happens for Corpy as well. I saw from... Arthur Kinner in Cleveland. He's following the Cleveland Monsters training camp in Strongsville. That seems to be a promising year up at, I can't call it the queue anymore, can I? Now it's Rocket Mortgage Arena. It's got a nice look, and the Cavaliers will be playing there as opposed to not playing there. They're playing at Jacob because it's fun to play outdoor basketball in the winter, especially when you're on the lake. NBA season, well, you got to wait a little bit longer. That's going to start October 22nd. And for me, I like to see what the Pacers can do, especially with uh Oladipo coming back off his injury. Won't be right away, I know, but I like to see what this Indiana Pacers team can do, especially with all the additions they made, too. <laughs> with all the TJs they have, there's McConnell, there's Leaf, there's another one, too, and I'm just blanking on what his last name is. But there you go. NBA doesn't start yet. NHL starts tonight. Go enjoy some hockey. And no, I'm not saying let's do that hockey. Seems like every other hockey broadcaster loves that saying. I hate it. I think it's stupid. But there you go. That will do it. That's episode 117 of the Cincinnati and Sports Podcast. Taking a breath because it took a very long time to get through this. And in fact, this segment is an hour. Oh, boy. Well, sorry for the long episode, I guess, but start to a new era in this podcast, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Hope you join me throughout, and we'll talk to you for episode 118. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at theleewmallon and at Cindy Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app, Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowins mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.